I guess my story, or the story of the parish, begins first of all with Mary Ann Bow. Mary Ann was like the the woman woman that in the Bible that went to the judge often often and wanted something and he finally got it. Well, Marianne was kind of like that too, I think. Um, there's Mary Ellen, you want to come up here and pass these out, or Kathy? Uh, there's a picture of Marianne Bow that appeared in the Messenger when they made the transition. There was an articles in the Messenger about the about the parish. So Marianne was uh, in 1952 was going to to buy a. a she and Bill, her husband, were going. To, were I think newly married, going to move into a, a a farm here in Boone County on Conrad Lane, and they um, they she was concerned because there was no parish in this vicinity, no no Catholic church. Bob is a, my husband is a convert, and when he lived here, he lived here in Boone County before we were married grew up here since he was six years old, I guess, when they moved from Covington. And he said there were three kinds of people that he was not supposed to associate with. Negroes, white trash, and Catholics. <laughs> and so, you know, it, it, people were not really very conducive to the, the Catholic faith out here. So Marianne was really concerned uh, that they were moving into a community without any Catholic press, president, press, present. I have a question. Where, back then, where was the closest Catholic church? Well, the closest was St. Was Paul's in Florence. Uh, many of them went to St. Boniface in Ludlow, some of them to St. Henry's. I think Marianne's home parish had been St. Boniface in Ludlow. So she talked to uh, Monsignor Hansis, who was just father at that time, I guess, and talked to him about the fact that she was concerned about no... Catholic presence out here in the in the community. So, uh, in um, they also, uh, if they wanted a Catholic school for their children, they sent them uh, to St. Paul's. I think uh, Judy went to St. Paul's, and then yeah, for a, a good bit. So, um, <clears throat> the. Um, uh, Father, during the summer, you know, when the seminarians are free, a couple of the seminarians had come out here between 1952 and 54 to kind of convince uh, the area to see if there was going to be a, a need for a Catholic church in this community. They were they came out of St. Boniface Parish, really. Um, in 1954, my, uh, Monsignor Hansis convened a meeting of the people that were interested in a parish and they met in the Hebron um, Elementary School and there were uh, here, there's a list of the signatures from 1955 petition to the bishop and I'm going to pass this around also you can take a look the ones that are are in, uh, highlighted, the names that are highlighted are people that were also in the, still in the parish in 1977 when they had the first real good census, I guess, of the parish. Uh, 
There is a star in front of some of the names, and those are descendants. Those are people who have descendants who are still in our parish now. Um, for instance, the Boyntman is the first name. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Gregor Boyntman is the first name on the on the list, and Betty Poole is a Boyntman or was a Boyntman, and so they have the people have their descendants that are still in the parish. Um, the D behind their name tells us that they have been deceased. Those people. <clears throat> um, at the same time, the bishop was planning a parish on Donaldson Road in Erlanger, uh, which was a very expanding com community at that time, and of course it became Mary Queen of Heaven. On October the 1st in 1954, the bishop established Immaculate Heart of Mary as a mission parish from St. Boniface in Ludlow. Later it was served by priests from St. Paul, and those that were servicing the Passionist nuns uh, on the on the convent um, with the, lit, lit, the liturgy. But a farmer, John Wighorn, here's his picture, donated his 15 acres on Limeburg Road for a... He told, the, he told the, that he had had a vision as he was working in his cornfield that the Blessed Mother wanted to have a church on his property. And so he donated 15 acres over on Limeburg Road, which influenced the bishop to go ahead and establish a parish there. John remained in his residence with the stipulation that he could live there for his lifetime. And he was usually a daily communicant at Mass after the church was built. Mass was held for the parish in the nun's chapel on Donaldson Road. And due to the um, proximity to Mary Queen of Heaven then, which was just across the road, the parish was served by the, its pastor, Father Cyan Getty. Now, Father, Father Cyan Getty was also then came out here as pastor for the mission that was we thought was a mission from Mary Queen, but it wasn't. It was really the mission out of uh, St. Boniface. Our family registered in the parish in the fall of 1955 because we knew that we were moving to Limeburg Road. We had already brought, bought property there. It's an old house. We were going to re redo it and move in uh, the next year. And we wanted to have our expected third child baptized in our new parish. <clears throat> Father Sian Getty told Bob, when he went to register, that he expected two dollars in the uh, in the envelope every week. <laughs> two dollars in 1955 was a good bit of money for us. In September of 1955, um, ma ma uh, mass was being celebrated at this time in Hebron at Gra Graves Restaurant. Now, on, on Route 20 in Hebron, if you know where Dr. Malay, the dentist, is, has, that's where the restaurant was. And uh, it has been renov renovated since. But Catholics were not well received in this community, as I said. And the restaurant stayed in, uh, at this time, and a bomb was found outside the restaurant stating that it would continue that if the restaurant would continue allowing those Catholics to have services there, the bomb would have a fuse the next time it was placed. 
Well, this, you know, was kind of a threatening situation. At that time, Ed and, um, uh, yes, Ed and Armella Bow had just built a house, a brand new house across from this property where the church was going to, going to be. Uh, and on that well Nymanburg Road. And um, the, the Bows generously offered the new residence as a place for mass. And some of the um, of our parishioners, Judy Kirkpatrick particularly, remembers setting up the chairs in their basement uh, there while the plans were underway for the new for the new church. But we had had mass in their basement, and Judy remembers setting up those chairs on Saturday for mass the next day. These were courageous, faith-filled, generous, family-oriented people who made up our congregation. We did things together. We worked together, played together, prayed together. At this point, I'm going to emerge my own family experience in the parish. We had registered in the fall of 1955, and our daughter Kathy, who is here today, was baptized in the chapel of the Passionist Nuns facility. About the same time that Geraldine Bow, Mary Ann's second child, was also baptized over there, I think, and she had been born in 56. We actually moved into our home on Limerberg Road in March of 1956. Ten days later, which happened to be on Good Friday, our, host, our home burned. We were a young couple with three girls, not well known by the parish, but had attended Mass in the restaurant the first Sunday after we moved, on whole, and that was, I think, Palm Sunday. We had the fire on Good Friday, and on Holy Th Saturday, three women of the parish came to visit at Bob's dad's place where we had been living temporarily, or we moved in with them uh, after the fire, and um, they, uh, they lived out on Kelly Road, which is out off of East Bend Road, way out there. But <clears throat> the three of the women from the parish, Mary Ann Bow, Elizabeth Boytman, and Rosella Boytman, they offered to help us in our misfortune. Even though we were not well known by anyone, we were a member of the parish family, and they were being family to us. It meant so much to us at the time. A member of the parish, Carl Fruin, who was an architect, designed the church building and ground was broken on August the 1st, 1956. It was completed. People thought it was a dairy barn as they were building it because it, of the architecture. It was completed and the first mass was celebrated on Pentecost Sunday, June the 7th, 1957. Our son, Michael, was born in July and he was the first baby to be baptized in the new parish church. Although it was done in the sacristy because the church was not really fully completed yet. Um, there are pictures uh, on the table over here of the, 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 the building so that you can see what it looked like. The church was bare minimum, had no water, no bathroom, and no rectory. Father Sian continued as our pastor, but had an assistant assigned 
at Mary, Queen of Heaven, with him, and he sent Father Lawrence Robotnik over here to have Masses at our place most of the time. The parishioners worked hard to maintain the building. Some of our older members remember that the cleaning of the church was maintained by the women. Cleaning, keeping the sacristy in order, just to name a few things. Mary Ann Bow did the linens, repaired vestments, made purificators and corporals. Families took turns cleaning the church. Saturdays would find moms and children dusting pews, vacuuming the floor. We brought our own equipment, including the water. Arranging flowers, homegrown flowers, by the way. Um, Betty Poole played the organ for services. In fact, everything that needed to be done for Sunday worship was done on a volunteer basis. A group of women formed the Council of Catholic Women. This was the women of the parish. Everybody was a member. If they were a woman in the parish, they belonged to the CCW. There, were no, there was no place to uh, meet at the church, so we met in our living room at the house that we had purchased on Limeburg Road next to where the old one where the other one had burned. Uh, we had a long living room, and we could set up chairs in there, and we had room then for meetings at that place. <clears throat> the parish continued to grow, but had no school for the, the, the education of our children. The school at St. Boniface was a possibility, and a bus would transport them there. A bus was purchased, and Pat Finke, Judy's dad was the bus driver. Long rides down Mile Hill to Kentucky 8, bad weather, not a good option for our, our bus to go down there. Mary Queen of Heaven by this time had a building and a school. Better idea. Our children then rode the bus to Erlanger to Mary Queen. Paul Gallagher, another parishioner, made many repairs to keep the bus on the road. George Finke could tell us the route it took through Hebron and Burlington to pick up the children down Route 20 through Hebron, North Bend Road, and, and uh, uh, probably Bullettsville Road and in through the Burlington area to take all the children to Mary Queen. Father Otto Herring, later our, was Monsignor, was assigned as pastor of our par parish on June the 25th, 1960. He lived at the seminary because there was no rectory here, no place for him to live here. The men had been working, all of our men here in the parish, had been working to maintain the grounds, building driveways, repairing, mowing grass, doing et cetera, et cetera, whatever had to be done. They needed a name. Since Father Herring was, this group needed a name. Since Father Herring was living at the seminary, he took a lot of ribbing about being out in the boondocks. <laughs> Thus, a good name for that group of, of hardworking men, for our church family, the boondockers. That's how they got their name. Um, there's another picture of the outside and inside of our church. <clears throat> As the parish continued to grow, the need for our own school was evident, and plans for one was begun. Um, a combination school, convent, and rectory was planned. Ground was broken in January 1961, 
and three teachers were needed. The Congregation of Divine Providence supplied two nuns, Sister Rosemarie Principal, who taught grades one and two, Sister Anastasia, who taught grades five through eight, and myself. When Father Herring was assigned as pastor here, and we had no school yet, I was concerned about where our children would make First Communion in the sacraments, Mary Queen of Heaven, because that's where they were in school, or at our place. Father said, in our parish, Immaculate Heart of Mary, of course. I offered to help prepare the logistics for getting the children uh, for the sacraments, because my daughter, Mary Ellen, was in the second grade going to make those, those sacraments. So I offered to help get them arranged and get them. They had reconciliation the day before First Communion, and I helped get them, you know, kind of gathered together in the church and how to go and so on. Um, Father accepted my help. When a third nun was not available to, to uh, staff our school, I asked them for the position of, of as a teacher, and Father accepted me. I taught grades three and four. I had been teaching at, in the uh, St. Elizabeth School of Nursing, so I did, did have a, a degree in, in ed, education, but not in elementary yet, it was in nursing education. Classes began in September of 1961, even though the building was not completely finished. The sisters were living on a temporary basis in our old house on Limeburg Road that had that big, long, narrow living room, and the first and second grade had their classes in that living room, and the sisters had took the rest of the house. The house is still standing um, at, on, on Limeburg Road just before you get to Conrad Lane. It's a white uh, stucco house, um, you know, brick house. Um, the sisters were living there on a temporary basis uh, that we had vacated. Um, our children, Mike and Kathy, uh, were living next door in a new house that we had, had built. And they loved to go over at recess time to play with the kids when they were out playing in the yard at recess time. The rest of the children, grades three through eight, were started went to school at the Lions Club building in Hebron. We, um, I thought I had a picture somewhere here. Well, it's it's somewhere. I don't know. What? It was a picture of the. No, not one of those. Well, I don't know. I'll, I'll find it later. It's a picture of, of Monsignor Herring opening. Here it is. I've got it here. Picture that was in that paper at the Messenger. And it's a picture of the children lined up in front of the Lions Club building in Hebron uh, when Father is opening the door for our first day of class for our new school. Um, let's see where I am in my. Pick those up by mistake. Okay. Um, 
the children at, at the at the Lions Club, and it's it, it was back behind where Huff's flooring is now. There's a little alley back there, and you go back, and there was a, a brick building or a, a concrete block building, really, and um, that's where we had our our classes. Uh, they sat in the cafeteria chairs at cafeteria tables and uh, piled their books up on the, you know, the table in front of them. We had movable, uh, uh, movable blackboards to separate the third and fourth grade from the upper grade on the other side of us so that it was, it was difficult, but we did manage. Um, not, uh, not an ideal situation. But the, school, the new school building was completed by the end of that year, and by the 1st of January, we moved into our new quarters. The sister Anastasia became ill that year, and um, pardon me, could not teach anymore after the Christmas. In fact, she, she did not teach in the new, new building because she got sick. And, uh, and then they, they put me in the upper grades and brought in another a young nun who had not taught before, and she taught the third and fourth grades. Uh, the school started with about 75 children in grades one through eight, so we had about 25 kids in each one of those the three classrooms. We had no cafeteria, no city water, no, no hot lunches. There was a cistern for drinking water. The moms packed lunches for their children, and we had milk delivered at, at noontime. The moms gave the children a free a, a treat once a month, and we had, they served hot dogs and chips once a month to the kids, and it was really something to look forward to. The pond water was used to flush the toilets. Sometimes the filter in the valves of the urinals in the boys' bathroom would be clogged with silt and had to be cleaned out. Uh, t so it didn't flood because it, they just kept running, running, running if they couldn't, if, if the, the valves didn't work. I got called out of the classroom many times to get the wrench and unscrew the valve at the top of those urinals, clean out the filters and put them back in shape. We all worked together uh, to make things as good as possible. The first year, Patty Elman and Judy Finke Kirkpatrick were the two eighth grade graduates. And we have a picture here, I think, of them, or it's either here or over on the, yes, I do have a picture. There's also a picture here of the first, the, the children going, to the, the, when they made their first communion, that, I don't know that that's the first one, but there's a couple of them getting ready to go into church. And then there's a, a, a two pictures here, also that will pass around that you see the inside of the church and the mosaic that's there and I'll talk about that later this is the outside of the church and this is a picture of the um, of the I think it's the first graduating class going getting ready to to go over to for the graduation ceremonies in church um, Where was I? Okay. <clears throat> Our school mothers continued to work together as a family. 
Teacher aides would be moms who helped in the classroom in various ways, taught gym, chaperoned field trips, had fundraisers, helped us grade papers, ran the copy machine for us. Uh, they also um, had, had helped us during Catholic Schools Week when we'd have Teachers Appreciation Day. They would come in and take care of the classroom for a while while the teachers had a few extra minutes at, for lunch and so on. This, in 1979, and the, and the tasters, the tasters started in uh, 1980, and it, 39 years this year, I think, was its 39 years, and that, that was a big fundraiser for the, for the school. In 1979, a separate convent and rectory was built. I think George Finke was the one who helped with that activity. The school had, had expanded and needed more classroom space. The large cistern that we had in the basement of the old building was drained and converted into a classroom, as well as another room on, in the lower level of that building. The temporary living quarters of the sisters also became a classroom and the rectory became the library. Boondockers did much of this work. Busting out that, that cistern was a big job, concrete walls to bust out that, uh, that cistern and so on. Our pastors over the years were Father Sine Getty, Father Otto Herring, Father Frank Roan, Father Mulhern, Father John Kroger, Father Lewis Holtz, Father Jerome Britt, Father Michael Comer, and now our pastor, Father Nicholas Rotman. The upper grade girls, when they, when they were living in the temporary spaces, the upper grade girls cleaned the rectory, and the sisters frequently made meals for the priests while they lived in those temporary quarters. The festivals. I don't remember when we started the first summer festivals. But I do know that the fresh food, beans, potatoes, tomatoes, cabbages, came from the home, farms and homes of, of these parishioners. The Thursday and Friday before the festival, the women would gather in the downstairs of the school in chairs around in a circle like. We would snap beans, peel potatoes, cut cabbage, whatever had to be done for these festivals. Our kids came with us. The kids ran outside in the playground, had a great time together. Um, and the women did too, because we gossiped and talked and had, had a great time snapping beans and doing whatever had to be done. Uh, I think Betty Teepee and Joanne Bay uh, made the coleslaw. They had, that was their specialty. The salad bar, I think, was started by those people. Um, the um, Oh, we de decorated the tables too with, with flowers from people's gardens, came and put little, you know, made the tables look nice. The Bow family were the chicken fryers. They even brought relatives in from outside to help them. Aunt Jean was one of, the, uh, of their aunts, I think, that lived in another parish, but she was one of the chicken fryers and would come every year with the Bow family. The Boitman family provided good German music. The brothers of the Boitman's cousins, maybe uncles, I'm not sure who all, played various instruments sitting in the back of a truck that gave us a really good time. The umpapa for the, for the, the, uh, fam uh, the festival and so on. Again, we all worked together as a family. 
It became evident in the 80s that this area was growing. Delta made CVG the hub and brought many new people to live in Burlington and Hebron. For, they brought them in from Louisiana. We welcomed the Cajun Mafia. <laughs> we call, they called them the Cajun Mafia, and they brought those people in. The people brought many new things with them, Cajun food, music, hard workers, and mostly, and most importantly, their faith. More space was needed for church services and classrooms. In 1982, the church added a new wing on the north side of the church, pardon me, on the south side of the church, and some modifications were made. Um, this is a picture of the, uh, of the, of the ch church after the modifications were made. This is also a picture of the mosaic that I'm going to talk about in a minute. Um, <clears throat> a large mosaic was fashioned by Rosemary O'Hara Schneider as a, co uh, as a college project. She was at, at Thomas More College, and she was an art major, and she made the, the mosaic that is on the back of, uh, that is on one of the pictures that you see there. Um, it was in need of repair by this time, and so it was uh, uh, removed when they, we put the new addition on. And also, this is about the, the time that we uh, moved the, the altar, and, and uh, uh, it looks very, in the other, one of the other pictures that you can see that the sanctuary looks very bare. The airport noise became almost unbearable. When the, when the flights left the airport, teaching had to halt, and homilies interrupted, telephone conversations delayed. The, new for, the need for new facilities was per paramount. The parish now had almost 500 families, and search for a parish plant was begun. The site on Burlington Pike was selected, and plans for a school and church begun. Because of finances, it was determined that the school would be built and the sanctuary for worship would be included on a temporary basis. We have yet to have gotten to the point where it's, we don't have a permanent worship space yet. The new plant was completed and mass was celebrated on July the 3rd, 1993. Many things from the original church were installed in the new worship space. Items included the Stations of the Cross. A parishioner had made the wooden crosses for a background for the images that are placed on it, for the white images. Other items are Mary's statue in the gathering space, the baptismal font, uh, the altar and tabernacle in the chapel, the credence tables, the outdoor cross and bell, and the gold tabernacle on our main altar, which had been covered with a veil in the old church. The color of the veil had been, would be changed according to the seasons of the liturgical year. Um, also, the, um, there, there might be an amber around, and the cross and bell were also brought over from the old church. Um, the, um, there was also, I, I don't know whether I've got time to tell you about busing from the, from the uh, about the busing, 
this is a picture of the insides of the church. It happens to be my, my brother who was a priest, the Franciscan priest, and came to, when he came on vacation, he said Mass for us. And then this is a picture of a, a pet blessing during the school year. That he, Evo was a, a Franciscan, and he came with a, a, for pet blessing one year. And that's, um, this is Evo. We still got that crucifix, too. Yes. It, the cru oh, that's right. And Sister, Sister Janet, who was a later principal, is also on that picture. Um, just a, a brief a, a, a sentence about the busing. Um, the kids, when they came here to school, they would get the bus from uh, the public school bus. And I think they still do somewhat. I'm not real sure. But the one bus would take them to Hebron or they would take them to Burlington and then they would get their route buses out. But when we first started, we didn't have busing. And St. Paul's had a group of women, uh, and Bob was involved with that too. Uh, they marched the 40, 42 and 25, I think. Uh, they marched in the, in the, on the, to school from various places there, protesting that they were not allowed to ride the school buses. They couldn't take it out of public school funds, but because of safety for the children, they could take it out of the general fund from the, the county general funds, and they finally got enough funds that they could, the kids could ride the school buses. That was another, another activity that we were involved with in, in a certain way. These are my recollections of the history of our parish. Maybe some of you have other things or corrections to add. But the main thing is that we started as a close, faith-filled family and have tried to maintain that attitude throughout the years. And so, and this is, maybe I shouldn't have done this, but I did. Uh, and so, for those who began our parish and have passed on their faith in the Lord, to leave us with a large, vibrant parish, let us remember and together say the eternal rest. Eternal rest granted to them, O Lord, and may the perpetual light shine upon them. May their souls and all the souls of the departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Praise be Jesus Christ. Amen.
There are things on the table, picture, more pictures and things if you want to look at them.